industry focus. The podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. I'm your host, Emily Flippin. I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today we're talking financials. Today we're talking consumer goods. Wild card! Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today we're talking tech. Let's dive in. It's Friday, December 11th, and we're talking about Roblox. I'm your host, Dylan Lewis, and I'm joined by Fool.com's certified conviction czar of competitive cash compounding capital companies, Brian Feroldi. Brian, how's it going? Excellent. And that title is brought to you by Cornelius Capital on Twitter, at 10XMOIC. That uh, that account uh, slacked me that title. I played around with some of the words, but hey, I liked it. You know, it stands to reason that eight C's comes from Cornelius Capital. I, I, I think I think I, I think I got that count right. Eight. Uh, love that. Love the recurring bit. And of course, if if people want to suggest tongue twisters to try to get me uh, as we open the show at Brian Froley on Twitter, right? Their success rate must be better than mine because mine <laughs> success rate is zero. <laughs> but it's fun to crowdsource it. Someone's going to get me one day with like an X, you know, and I'll, I'll trip up and wind up pronouncing it like a like a Z or an X when it should be the other one. That's going to be my downfall, I think. I'm going to get cocky and then some silent letters are just going to be my undoing, Brian. <laughs> and, and, the, and we will all celebrate when that happens. <laughs> Today, though, we are going to be celebrating uh, a, a soon-to-be public company, Brian, and this is Roblox. This is a company that my kids have been playing their, with their product for maybe a year, slightly longer than that. But this is a company that is in my house. My my All three of my kids play this game. My middle daughter in particular is quite fond of this. So when I told her that we were talking about Roblox, she became very excited. And I actually asked for her opinion on Roblox prior to this, and she was kind enough to record a little audio message for the podcast listeners. Hi, what's your name? Uh, my name is Lindsay Feraldi. Lindsay Feraldi. And what is your favorite game, Lindsay Feraldi? Roblox. Roblox. Why do you like playing Roblox? Because it has over 600 games I can play, and I can play the games with my friends. How can a game have over 600 games to play? Well, there are many games. So you click on them and press the play button. So you log it, log into Roblox, and yeah. there's all these games to choose from, yeah. and you pick on whatever one you want to play, and then you're playing like a mini game. Yes, you can play it with your friends anytime. And how, when you log in, you can tell that your friends are playing too. Yes, because if you scroll through, um, like there's a name list, you can scroll through it, and if you find the person's name you're friending with, and there's two people, and there's two like people's faces on top, then that's where it is. Okay, so you can log into Roblox, there's a whole bunch of games, you can see that your friends are playing, and then, and then you can choose from these 600 games. Yeah, but play. most of them are uh, by the games you can play, like the top row is continue playing, like the games you play, and you can also go to search to search up any other games your friends are playing that you might want to play. Or you can just click on their icon and then press join. And with all those games to choose from, are there like more games that show up every day or every time you log in? Well, no. But yeah, for the bottom, most of my friends play different games all the time. And so. how do you know which one of those 600 games is fun? 
uh, well, you go through a search of names you might like. Like, some of my favorites are, like, simulators or, like, adopt and raise, like my number one. Pet simulators, number two. Um, and I also like the take-on one, the take-on ones. Okay, now, did you have to pay money to download Roblox? No. No? No. So how does how does Roblox make money? By people buying Robux. It sounds like a weird name, and it is. And it's just um, people buying things to make the gum to make the game funner or um, better, so you can get like I don't know more things or so. You can like buy coins to make your thing better. You can buy things like a like say in one of the obbies, also known as parkour. Hobbies, and you can just click on the rainbow carpet, and somebody who would buy it would click on it, wait for it to finish purchasing, and then they would intentionally um, get that thing, and they could equip it and go past levels, levels, and levels so many times. So it's kind of like you can go on there, you can use real money to buy Robux, yeah, and then you can spend the Robux in the game to buy like clothing, accessories, and make your avatar better? Yeah. Okay, and do you, is that something that you want your mom and dad to do for you? Yeah. And what, <laughs> okay. Uh, anything else that we need to know about Roblox? Is it your favorite game? Yes. Will it be your favorite game for a long time? Yes. Do you want to be a shareholder? Yes. Okay, I guess we'll have to make you a shareholder someday. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, what's your name again? Lindsay Fualdi. Okay, thank you, Lindsay. This is a fantastic company to introduce kids to investing because the odds are extraordinarily good if they have if they play video games and they're under age 13. Not only are they probably on Roblox, the chances are pretty good. They're pretty passionate about Roblox. So this is a great game to introduce. This is a great company to introduce investing to your children. Yeah, I think if if you're not familiar with this business, is it safe to say that kids of your daughter's age um, look at this basically the way they do YouTube, where it's just like it is it is what they want, it is the thing that they are attached to, and like you got to rip it out of their hands. Yes, in in a very real way, it is. For those that are don't know, my daughter described what what Roblox is for everybody uh, on the podcast uh, on the podcast in a you know kid way of doing so, but essentially. It's almost like a metaverse. You log into it. Your friends log into it. You can interact with your friends. You can play games with your friends. And there are hundreds of games to choose from. I think on her homepage, she has like 600 games that she chooses from. You can see which games your friends are playing. You could pop in. You could interact with them. So it's a it's almost like a universe that you enter when you join Roblox. What I think is really interesting about this business, Brian, is there, there's this chart that's out there, and you'll you'll see it in investing circles, you'll see it in business circles, and it's um, what people think success looks like, and it's an up and to the right line, right? And it's nice and straight. There are no hiccups along the way. And the reality, you know, the 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 exhibit B in this is what success actually looks like, and it's a scatter plot with the line going up, down, sideways, backing over itself, reversing, going up, and it makes its way up into the right eventually. This company traces its roots back three decades, more than three decades, um, and, and it, I think it just goes to show how long this idea has been in development in some form. Yeah, the two co-founders of Roblox 
got together to make their first company in 1989. Uh, the co-founders are David uh, Bazuki and Eric Castle. And in 1989, they programmed a 2D uh, simulated physics lab that they called Interactive Physics. And it was used by students to simulate um, to simulate car crashes, to simulate uh, destruct the destruction of buildings in a computer-generated uh, environment. It was a very popular program, and it's very impressive that they were able to do that in 1989. That kind of laid the groundwork for these two to work together and develop a, a love of creating games and simulations that are aimed at, uh, aimed at educating kids. So in 2004, they founded Roblox, and they meant this to be a multiplayer game that was, again, specifically aimed at educating and entertaining uh, children. Today, their numbers are absolutely huge, and they have grown uh, tremendously, especially uh, in the last uh, year. They currently count over 31 million daily active users. That number was up 81% over the prior year. And it's also a platform that game developers can come to to create games on their own. And they have attracted 7 million game developers. So to your point, it's been a rocky road to get here, but the numbers that they're putting out are impressive. Yeah. And, and this is definitely one of those classic benefits from COVID, benefits from stay-at-home type businesses. Um, they are a digital delivery business. They lean heavily on the cloud. Um, they're mobile-oriented. The upfront purchase cost is is almost non-existent. You know, it's very easy for people to just hop in and, and give it a shot. And so this kind of has the hallmarks of a company that is going to see its growth rate accelerate dramatically in 2020. Yeah. And if you've never experienced Roblox before, uh, the best way that I can describe it is it's Kind of like Ready Player One, if you've seen that movie or read that fantastic book series. Uh, so Roblox is kind of like the Oasis in that in that sense. You you log into it and you're presented you're presented in this interactive metaverse of a world where you can again interact with friends. Uh, you can you can buy you can use real money to buy Robux, which is the currency uh, inside this world that you can use to upskill your avatar and buy digital clothing and accessories, which sounds crazy, but man, oh man, is that something that kids want to do? Uh, so that is the that is the model here. Yeah. And then importantly, once you're in that universe and you have your avatar, you have a whole host of games that you can play. And, and it's this community development model, which is really interesting, um, where there there isn't really like it, you, you have to kind of separate yourself from the standard gaming model where it's like EA Sports releasing Madden and look at it much more as if like friends were coming together and creating games. And, and really what the whole point I think of Roblox is, is to foster an environment that allows for people that are creative um, to make fun experiences for other people. I think that that's kind of the nut of this business. A huge component of the attraction of Roblox is the diversity of games, the ability to create in a 3D world, and the social aspects of it. My kids all are friends with their real-world friends, and they can talk with them, chat with them, play games with them uh, in this simulation. And the business model is very similar to the ridiculously successful game Fortnite where it's free to play, it's free to join, but if you want to make your character look cooler, that's when you have to pony up some cash. It sounds crazy, but wow, is that a successful business model? <laughs> there are some real life parallels there, Brian. You know, if if you want to look good, sometimes you got to pay for some clothes, you know? You got to get a good haircut every now and then. 
<laughs> My kids don't want Air Jordans, but they do want digital clothing, Dylan. <laughs> it's a funny idea, but you know, I remember being a kid and being right there. You know, it's just it's it's what you get into, and and I think that this is a, a fun and and importantly, I think because it's so kid oriented, a very safe space as well. And and there's a lot of time and effort uh, and resources dedicated to making that happen. Which which I think you know you have a better seat on this because you're a parent, Brian. But I have to imagine when you're thinking about kids entertainment, that is first and foremost with what your kids are doing online. That is definitely a way that this company really tries to separate uh, itself out. Again, their their kind of core market is kids aged 13 and under, and they call out right in the S1 that they devote a lot of resources to making their environment safe. It's easy to report um, activity on the platform that you don't like, whether that's language, whether that's graphics, and they have a whole full-time staff that does nothing but make sure that Roblox is a safe environment. And they actually call out that the average uh, incident rate is reported and dealt with in a matter of 10 minutes. So, it's, you're never going to be perfect with that kind of thing, but as a parent, that's got to make you feel good. Yeah. And, and, and just to kind of help folks who are not familiar understand some of the layers to this business, um, we talked about the 3D digital universe. They have the application that people are actually encountering that universe with, and that's, that's where most of the users are going to be coming into the mix. Um, but then they also have the studio side, which is really what allows creatives to develop and, and offer up these experiences to others. And then the infrastructure side of their business as well, which is cloud focused. So there are a couple different layers to this company. And you know, you, you're only as a user who is consuming games going to be interacting with a very small portion of it. Yes. And that is a part of the motivation for uh, the designers, the game designers that come to the game. The users of the game's pay real money to turn real real dollars into this digital currency called Robux. And there is an incentive for the, the Roblox game developers to create products and immersive environments that convince the users to spend their Robux. And then there's a revenue share between Roblox and the developers of these Robux which can then be converted back into, into real money. So one reason why they've developed well, while they've attracted 7 million game develop game developers is because the platform itself is huge and it gives them a way to monetize their game development skills. Yeah, and this is classic network effects at play, right? You have and you mentioned it before, the, the social element of it for users, you know, your your daughter is on and her friends are on and they can play together in the virtual world, but then the users attract the developers and vice versa. You have a very robust and vibrant developer environment that is going to attract users because it's going to be interesting games. You have a huge user base that's going to attract talented developers. They feed each other. And again, at this point, these numbers are so huge. And I think that they're, they're kind of hyper-focus on 13 and younger has allowed them to grow this market because uh, kind of corner a part of this market to, to themselves and like you said attract so many users so at this point of the game this company definitely has some scale advantages going for it huge and and you put some numbers to it before but it's worth re-emphasizing uh, 36.2 daily active users up just under a hundred percent year over year um the that that's a staggering number bound to benefit but the i think the key is the millions of developers that they have seven million developers it it speaks to the strength of the platform i don't think that number is going to be going down anytime soon and it just highlights what they're able to offer in the diversity in their programming i don't think it will either but to uh to, to your point from before this is a company that has 
definitely benefited immensely uh, from from COVID and stay at home. And I mean, all video game makers have been reporting uh, kind of nutty numbers uh, in 2020. The fact that they're choosing to IPO now, they might see that the next couple of years, they might have a harder time growing given the explosive growth that they experienced in 2020. But I, I agree. I think that these numbers are going to continue to climb given the popularity of this platform. Yeah, we might see some growth pulled forward a little bit, huh, Brian? But but I think this is probably bringing us to where this business would have been a couple of years from now. They need to live up to that valuation. We have to adjust some of our growth expectations accordingly. Um, but you know, looking at the financials, the core business metrics look good. This is obviously a growth mode business, and it has the financials of a growth mode business. But there's a lot of potential here, particularly as it continues to scale. Yeah, and there's there's something unique about video game companies, especially one with the business model that this company has, where there are some kind of differentiated numbers that you have to get used to uh, to looking at. So a key number here is what's called net bookings, and that's basically how much money, real real money, was converted into Roblox during uh, during the year. And that number for the first nine months of 2020 was 1.24 billion dollars. Now, when that money, just because that money is on Robux platform, Robux can't, uh, can't officially book it as revenue until it's actually spent. So in this, in this case, their, their, their revenue number is actually a bit of a lagging indicator. So their revenue over the first nine months of the year was only about half of that, $589 million. Because of that, their bottom line is is really is really kind of crazy to look at. Um, so their net loss on a on a gap basis for the first nine months of the year was two hundred and six million dollars. However, in that same time period, they generated almost three hundred million dollars in free cash flow. So it's a little bit wonky to think about. I had a conversation with Aaron Bush, our resident video game expert, prior to this. I said, Aaron, how do you think about this? And he basically gives a lot more credit to net bookings and free cash flow than he does to revenue and, and, uh, and net income, which is more of a lagging indicator. Yeah, actually, Brian, I think you could just rewind to our most recent episode on C3 AI and take what we talked about there with that RPO number and basically look at it exactly the same way for this business with bookings and revenue recognition. You know, it is money that you know is going to be coming in at some point, but you haven't necessarily rendered the services in order to earn that money. Once you do, you can recognize it as revenue, but until you do, it's this big number that indicates more money's coming. Yeah. So when this company reports earnings, pay attention to bookings, pay attention to free cash flow. Don't just look at the headline gap numbers of revenue and net income and draw uh, conclusions. Yeah. And we, of course, because this is a quasi-social gaming business, we have some per-user numbers uh, as well from this company. Yeah, it's a fun one. Average bookings per daily active user or abdabdabdabdabdabdabdabdabdabdabdabdabdabdabdabdabdabdabdabdabdabdabdabdabdabdabdabdabdabdabdabdabdabdabdabdabdabdabdabdabdabdabdabdabdabdabdabdabdabd
guessing here that Q3 and Q4 is going to be stronger for this number than Q1 and Q2. That's probably a pretty fair guess. And, you know, 2020's numbers are going to throw off a whole <laughs> bunch of metrics. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what they report in 2021. But yes, this is a video games in general do the best in, in the, the fourth quarter. Uh, so, so we talked about the network effect a little bit before. Um, there are some very interesting elements that this business has that that kind of insulate it from competition and and give it what feels like a relatively strong moat, Brian. I think the community aspect of this platform is probably its biggest competitive advantage. Again, like any social any social product, my kids want to be on Roblox because they're friends are on Roblox. They know if they sign in, there's going to be someone online that they can play with, that they can explore with, that they can communicate with. At this point, they have Roblox has so many users that it's become an insulating factor for them. So the social aspects of this game are huge. That's the network effects we, we, we talked about. For the same goes for the develop, for developers. But from again, from the parenting perspective, I feel good knowing that my kids are playing Roblox because so much emphasis on the platform is put into user safety. So I think those two things will combine to keep this company protected from the competition. Yeah, I, I think the way that they've set up their developers also is is a strength for them. Um, and, and really kind of, it, it seems to me at least, you know, as an outsider reading through their S1, that they are focused on creating a thriving community, creating structures that allow developers to make money um, and, and not make games overly onerous uh, when it comes to payments. Um, and, you know, they have a 70-30 split, I think, with their developers, which is pretty standard, you know, when, when you're in the App Store world. Um, so, so I think that they are, you know, kind of empowering developers to be able to make money, um, but it isn't necessarily the mandate of the system. Uh, and, and that allows for a lot of creative control. And I like that they're able to, you know, kind of share the pie. That's what they do. So that's the, I think that this company uh, is, is insulated from the competition and can remain so for a couple of years. And that's going to be important because this company has some big plans over the next couple of years. Yeah. I mean, I think what's, what's kind of interesting in hearing how they focus on 13 and under is, you know, it's, it's great. They clearly have lightning in a bottle with that market. Um, there's potential outside of the market for people that are currently older than 13, but also there's potential for them in creating experiences for people that are currently 11 that will at some point be 15 or 16 you know so there are kind of a couple different ways that this market gets bigger for them that's one of the things that they want to do they want to go upstream and keep keep users on the platform as they continue to age whether or not they're able to do that successfully is another question but they do note that their fastest growing user segments uh, are older generations than their, their their core market so it does appear that they're making uh, some progress there the other big opportunity for this company beyond just getting more revenue per user by introducing new products and new services, uh, they they're also have some big plans in international uh, markets. Currently, the majority of their revenue is generated in the United States and Europe, but they recently, in 2019, signed a partnership with Tencent, which is the biggest video game maker on Earth and based out of China. They set up a joint venture, a joint venture to bring Roblox to the Chinese market, which is an absolutely massive uh, market, and Tencent has you know, deep, deep relationships in that market. So that could be a major growth driver for this company over the next couple of years. Yeah. And, and I think also, like, there's there's another tailwind here, Brian, um, in the way that gaming is happening now and, and where they are positioned in this market. I was watching some of the things that were... Um, 
just talking about the company. It was, it was some of their, their, their company videos and, and some interviews with their CEOs and stuff. And one of the things that they emphasize over and over again is that they aren't really adding a lot of bloat to gaming. And in fact, their model really removes a lot of the bloat that's in the video game industry. Um, you know, some of that's marketing. Some of that is, you know, the, the timelines that go into things um, and, and the deadlines that approach as you're doing massive releases like like a FIFA would or like a Madden would for Electronic Arts. Um, so I, I think their model helps remove some of those things because they have their own immediate distribution for everything that they're doing. Um, but they're also harnessing mobile in a way that is really interesting to me. And they have, I believe, over half of their uh, revenue uh, came from uh, App Store, uh, so iOS and Google Play, uh, for the first nine months of 2020. More than uh, 60, 68% of their engagement hours were users who signed up on mobile. I think they're taking advantage of the fact that it is easier and easier to get non-traditional gamers to start gaming. And, you know, everyone has a video game console in their pocket right now. I, I think this is a business that benefits from mobile gaming um, in a really profound way if they do things right. For sure. And they're also, I think, really well positioned to make the jump to augmented and virtual reality down the road. I mean, just the basic nature of the games themselves are so immersive. You can play these games on uh, Facebook's Oculus devices, uh, for example. So, I'm a big believer that 10 years from now, augmented reality and virtual reality are going to be far more pervasive than they are today. Roblox is playing right into that trend. For the folks listening along, it's like, all right, you guys have talked about the business. You've talked about the numbers. What, let's talk management. Fear not. That's what's coming right now. We couldn't be doing an S1 show with Brian Froldy without talking about management and culture a little bit. Uh, Brian, you did your homework on Glassdoor. What did you see? Yep. So the co-founder, David Bazuki, he is still uh, in charge. He is still the, the CEO, as you mentioned before. The other co-founder, Eric Castle, died, unfortunately, in 2013 uh, after a battle with, uh, with cancer. Uh, Bazuki, we, we don't know exactly what the share class ownership is going to be until after the IPO happens. However, as we've seen numerous times with founder-run companies, he does have a strong control over the future of this business. He himself is the sole owner of Class B stock, which has super voting voting rights. So he is going to have his hand on this company for a long, long time. Investors should feel pretty darn good about that because as part of our due diligence done, we always check Glassdoor.com. Wow, do, do employees like working at this company? Yeah, I mean, 97% approve of, uh, of David Bazuski. And 87% were, uh, recommend to a friend. Those are strong numbers. And I think this is a business where it's worth watching some of the videos that, that they put out. If you're seriously interested in investing in them, um, what you will see very quickly is there is a creative vibe to this business. They, they really like to empower employees because so much of what they do as a company is empowering developers. And so I, I, I really feel that when I'm watching and listening to management. This is a company that seems to have all of its stakeholders in mind. Uh, employees clearly like it. Gamers clearly like it. Developers clearly like it. Investors have done very well so far if you could get your hands on this company in the private market. I mean, just in February, this company raised capital at a $4 billion valuation. It seems like they're going to be coming public uh, at an $8 billion valuation. My guess is this company is going to pop like crazy on the first day. We will have to see. But when it comes to management, I really like what I see here. Yeah. You know who might not like what they see, Brian? 
the competition. And, and I think that, that that's probably one of the risks for Roblox is this is a crowded space. And, you know, there, there are a lot of players here. Um, we have talked plenty on this show and in various Motley Fool formats about companies like Electronic Arts, um, like Take-Two Interactive, like Activision Blizzard. Those are just a couple of the big names in the video game industry. There's a big pie here. There are a lot of players. Um, and on a relative basis, like Roblox isn't that big. Yes, it's one of the smaller players when compared to the industry giants that it's going up against, but it has definitely carved out a niche for itself. And the great thing about the video game market in general, just because one company is winning doesn't mean the other ones are hurting. In fact, you could argue that the better one company does, the more likelihood there are to grow the entire gaming population and the better it is for everybody. So, Competition is definitely something to, to watch here, but Roblox has been growing just fine over the last 15 years, even though it has plenty of competition. The more bigger question that I have about this company is the users themselves. Yes, they do a great job of having a stranglehold on that 13 and under uh, generation, but what happens when they start to age out? This is definitely a game that I could see becoming uncool to play with once you hit a certain age group and then you upgrade to kind of more uh, more mature games. So they're, a big part of this company's growth strategy is hanging on to its gamers for longer and longer. That might be tough for them to do. You will have a front row seat to whether or not that happens, Brian. <laughs> Yes, I will. I guarantee you every every couple of months, I'll be asking my daughter, you still interested in Roblox? You still interested in Roblox? So far, I've gotten nothing but yeses. It's going to be a lot of yes, dad. <laughs> um, there, there are a couple other just kind of general business risks that I think are worth noting. I mentioned that there is a large chunk of money coming from those mobile app stores. And, you know, we mentioned that 70-30 cut that Roblox takes. Those app stores also take their cut. And so, unfortunately, they are taking a haircut on anything that comes in through those sources. And it's just kind of the nature of doing business there. Um, they also have some reliance on AWS with their tech infrastructure. Yeah, those that is something for investors to just be aware of and watch. If, uh, if uh, the CEO here ever pulls an Epic Games and just thumbs down <laughs> Apple and says, hey, we're pulling ourselves off of the App Store uh, because we don't like your revenue share, uh, that would really hurt the, uh, the investment case. I don't think that's going to happen, especially once this company becomes public. Epic Games could kind of do that because they are still private and still co-controlled. But hey, it is a risk to, uh, to be in mind. The bigger risk to me that I see is um, reputational damage. If somehow hackers got in here and like spammed, made the environment unsafe for kids, and if the reputation got out that Roblox is a game that you shouldn't be letting your kids play, that I could see limiting this company's growth more than anything. Yeah, I think that's right. And, and it's the, the thing that they enjoy so much strength from but it also is kind of the Achilles heel for them, where if, if anything goes wrong, it is going to massively disrupt the thesis because no parent is going to want their kid playing something you know, on a platform that they don't think is safe. So far, so good on that front. And again, this company seems deadly serious about defending its reputation and making its platform safe. So as long as they continue to do that, I think that they'll may be able to manage that risk without any problem, but that's definitely something for investors to know. So, Brian, all told, we have a digital delivery business that has created its own ecosystem, enjoys strong network effects, I believe 75% gross margins uh, by my count, depending on whether you want to include infrastructure costs in there. Um, 
I think that that's a relatively strong investing case. You missed out founder-led, great corporate <laughs> culture, and long-term growth trajectory. So yeah, if you add those in, I would say it gets even stronger, Dylan. Well, you know, Brian, I just wanted to leave something for you to say. <laughs> Um, when we don't know the the firm details on when this company will begin trading, I'm, I'm assuming it's going to happen sometime in December or before the end of the year, at least. Um, is this a watch list stock for you? No, this is a buy day one stock for me. This is going to be this is a this is this is a gift that my kids will be getting. <laughs> how, <laughs> how how much of my personal portfolio goes into it? That I don't know, but I will be buying shares of this for all of my children. So to unpack that for our listeners uh, and and our members listening, um, there there's kind of two motivations I hear there, Brian. There's the this is a layup for getting my kids interested in investing, and I want to take advantage of it. Um, let, purely business, not not thinking at all about the the very nice and heartwarming element of you and your family investing together and and putting on more of a cynical analyst hat. Um, where would this rank, kids aside, not really focusing too much on getting them investing? Very highly. I mean, just purely on the, I like this business, it ranks very highly. The biggest questions that I have are going to be how, how fast can this company grow and what is the realistic valuation that I, as a non-IPO buyer, will be able to pay for this thing? Uh, that's, that, that I don't know. I could very much see this company popping 100% on day one, just like we saw Airbnb do, uh, do earlier this week and the valuation being completely uh, uh, crazy. So how it trades and what kind of valuation I'll be able to pay will determine how much I personally buy, but I'm buying some shares for my kids on day one, no matter what. <laughs> That's awesome. And that'll be a fun story to tell them uh, in, in the years that follow, Brian, I'm sure. Um, yeah. And, and we'll just have to see. I mean, C3AI also doubled, more than doubled uh, on, on its first day. Um, and I think to date, there have been almost 20 companies that have more than doubled uh, from issuance price. So it's been a little bit of a crazy year for people that are buying things early on IPOs. But C3AI had that fantastic ticker, so that's at least worth a 75% jump, right? <laughs> However you need to justify it to yourself. <laughs> Brian, uh, thank you so much for hopping on today's show. And importantly, thank you for tapping your junior analyst to, uh, to join us as well. It's always great to get perspectives outside of our own. She was thrilled that I wanted to know her opinion on Roblox, Dylan, believe me. <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing that wasn't a hard ask. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Listeners, that's going to do it for this episode of Industry Focus. If you have any questions or you want to reach out and say, hey, shoot us an email at industryfocus at fool.com or you can tweet us at MF Industry Focus. If you're looking for more of our stuff, subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show. The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned. So don't fire something based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Tim Sparks for all his work behind the glass today. And thank you for listening. Until next time. Cool on.